Hello, folks. You are tuned into the Ring of Discussions podcast with your host, Troop Nelson III. And uh, you were just tuned in to one of the best, if not the best show on Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you listen to, whether it's Spotify, Breaker, whatever you listen to, I thank you very much for listening to. You took the time out of your day to listen to the show. That means so much, whether you're at school, at work, whatever you're doing, you took the time, again, to listen to the show, and I thank you very much for that. Your support means the world to me and the show. Now, before we get on the show, you can go follow me on Twitter, at hudson 3 rd That's the official Ring of Discussions TV podcast, Twitter. Uh, I'm going to try to link the link in of this uh, podcast episode, wherever you listen to this on. Sometimes the link may not work so i'm gonna repeat that one more time for you t-h-u-d-s-o-n three the letter not the letter the number three r-d all lowercase on twitter at twitter.com on the app wherever you gotta go you gotta go and then also you can go follow me or go 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 look me up on the gmail you can go follow me on gmail on google so we can talk more so you guys have any questions i can get your questions and bring them up on the show and the email and gmail is thudson3rd at gmail.com again thudson3rd at gmail.com you guys let me know your thoughts i want to know your thoughts by reviewing the show no matter what platform it is and subscribe to the show to never miss an update on the show it means so much to me that you guys listen to the show right now so let's get right into the show and i'm your host of the ring discussions podcast from us the third and let's get right on to the news what is going on, everybody? I'm your host of the Ring of Discussions podcast, True Nuts in the Third, and today I have an amazing guest on my show, the very first ring announcer slash commentator on my show, Mr. Kirby Alexander. How are you doing today, Mr. Alexander? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, this is an absolute pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, no problem. Uh, before I even start on with the show, I always like my guests to plug themselves. So uh, can you let the audience, the listeners at home that took the time out of their day to listen to the show, whether that be at home, at the gym, wherever you are, you took your time to listen to the show. Either way, can you let them know where they can reach you at? So uh, this is Kirby the Voice Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Kirby the Voice. And you can also watch, if you watch uh, Wrestling on Powerbomb, Powerbomb.tv, you can see me do shows for Gali Lucha Libre, Black Label Pro, Freelance, Freelance Underground, and probably more than I'm forgetting. Alrighty, so you just named quite, and I'm just going to hop right into it because you already named some promotions that I do want to talk about. Let's talk about your, uh, your time in the wrestling industry. Let's go far back. Let's talk about your first, you know, exposure to wrestling. What started your love in wrestling? What got you into the business that you're in today? So for me, it was, uh, I didn't have a great relationship with my father. Uh, The one thing, though, that did connect us when pretty much nothing else did was professional wrestling. Uh, I can remember, I'm 47, I turned 47, uh, what, yesterday, I think? Whoa. And, uh, or yeah, sometime this week. And uh, (laughs) so... I can remember back to maybe uh, somewhere in the eight-year-old range, uh, sitting on the floor in front of the couch, right in front of the television, and my very, very first wrestling memory is Junkyard Dog delivering the uh, headbutt on all fours. That's the first thing I can remember vividly in my head. Wow, that's crazy. We all remember our first time, and you just spoke vividly. You, you remember that piece. Now, you mentioned JYD. Is that your favorite wrestler of all time? Who is your favorite? What got you hooked into the sport? Uh, the guy who got me hooked is from the same era, uh, Dusty Rhodes. 
first and foremost, I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people. There's a long list of people that I love and appreciate and adore throughout the years, the different eras, the different genres, the different companies. Uh, but Dusty Rhodes, first and foremost, uh, his personality, uh, his ability to cut a promo, uh, just everything about the guy. Uh, I remember the getting magazine after magazine after magazine. Now, this is when there was a ton of wrestling magazines out there. There was The Wrestler. There was Pro Wrestling Illustrated. There was probably half a dozen other magazines out there. And just immediately rifling through the magazine after my dad got it for me to try and find the uh, full-page poster or whatever there would be of Dusty Rhodes and rip it out. And I just ripped out page after page after page of Dusty Rhodes and in boas and whatever flamboyant costume he was wearing and just... I was all about it. Awesome. That's that's amazing. And I, I do want to touch back on this. But firstly, might I say happy belated birthday? I didn't I did not know. Yes. Um happy belated birthday as well as, you know, we we're touching on your childhood right now. We're talking about your childhood right now. Are there any other significant points in your childhood, whether that be wrestling or just any other event that pushed you to where you are today? Positive or um, negative? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is my dad, you know, again. Like I mentioned, we didn't connect on much except for that. And then he would take me to shows. I was lucky to live uh, in a territory where we had the AWA coming through on a regular basis. So the Hammond Civic Center, which was known for having amazing amount of shows. Uh, so I grew up watching the likes of Bruiser Brody, Dick the Bruiser, The Crusher, uh, The Sheep Herders, uh, the original Sheik, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Jerry Blackwell, uh, the Road Warriors, um, Mr. Perfect and his father, I mean, just name after name after name came through the Hammond Civic Center. Uh, so, you know, I think that was just that exposure just gave me, started me off on, that, my, on my lifelong love of professional wrestling. Wow, that is, that is awesome. So you're talking about the Hammond Civic Center, you uh, correct? Correct, Hammond Civic Center. Hammond Civic Center. Okay, so I'm in Michigan, as you can see the hat. I right. now I know that you are. If I'm correct, you're located in Chicago, correct? Correct. I'm in the suburbs of Chicago. I do shows all around the Chicagoland area as well as in Indiana. Okay, so I'm not familiar with the uh, arena or Civic Center that you mentioned. Is that in the Chicago area? It's just over the border. It's like miles over the border into Indiana. Okay, awesome. So a little bit of that Midwestern uh, wrestling, correct, in that area, correct? Okay, awesome, awesome. So as I mentioned, Midwest, mid, oh my gosh, Midwestern wrestling. Tell me about that scene. Tell me about that time. You know, I've talked to others about that time. I want to get it from a different perspective. Tell me about that time, or would that even be considered the, you know, Midwestern uh, 70s, 80s time of wrestling? Just tell me about that territory more specifically. Yeah, for me, that territory was defined by Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher. Um, those, you know, those two guys personified everything to me that that era of wrestling is about they were manly men they didn't have the best physiques um you know they were strong guys they were built but they're not built and cut like today's athletes um you know they, they were cigar smoking uh the crusher would you know um talk about wanting to date fat women and stuff like that and do the polka you know it was just it was it was a very different era where they were just, they were more real, um, 
sort of the, what they were putting out there. And, uh, but it was just, it was smash mouth rustling. I mean, everything was just, they were in your face. It was, you know, it wasn't very technical. We didn't get into things like drop kicks and such yet. You know, there was people starting to do them like Brunzel and such, but, uh, it was just more smash mouth rustling, you know, between them and guys like the road warriors. I have a story, if you don't mind. Um, I met, got to meet uh, Animal uh, almost 10 years ago now and uh, had a story in my head that I wanted to tell him because I remember the night that I saw him at the Hammond Civic Center and basically there was a riot. Uh, the Road Warriors were so despised and hated that the crowd erupted and went after them and it was pretty much a riot in the building. They had to run out. And uh, that's, one of my, again, one of my most vivid wrestling memories from my childhood. I was at the show with my mom and so I get up to him and I tell him, tell him, like, yeah, I'm from Hammond. And before I can even get the story out of my mouth, he's like, were you there the night they rioted and attacked us? <laughs> I was like, that's my story. That's what I was about to tell you. Um, so, yeah, you know, that was an era where, you know, we didn't know as much about professional wrestling at the time. There was no internet. There were no dirt sheets. You know, we had the magazines, but the magazines were, were kayfabe. The magazines were in, you know, in character. And so we didn't know anything else at that time. All we knew is what we saw. And these guys generated real emotion from us. You know, we we hated them. We didn't dislike them. We didn't, you know, just go along with the character or go along with the story. We actually had bad feelings for these people and wanted to see bad things happen to them. Or conversely, the good guys, we loved and adored them. And... Uh, yeah, it was just the emotion that was pulled out of you at that era uh, is different than it is today. Wow. So we've talked about a completely different era that, you know, as, again, as you just mentioned, completely different from today's atmosphere. Now, I, I want to talk again more about you and we talked about your experience at that, you know, that riot. You've seen wrestling, you know, change over the past 40 or so years. Tell me about your time in the industry when you started and how it's changed from when you started. Or just tell me about how wrestling has changed overall. Or you can do both. Just tell me about, you know, the transformation of wrestling as well as your time in wrestling and how it's changed since then. Sure. Um, I've been in the business now for 10 years. I started with a company called Elite Pro Wrestling uh, and uh, did a few years with them. Then they went out of business, ended up with another company in the same building, actually, at the time. Uh, called Vanguard Wrestling, uh, did a couple years with them, and then kind of, you know, gone from company to company. Right now I work for anywhere between four and six companies a month. Um, as far as the business changing, I think it's I think it's at a real high right now. Again, different from what it was before. It's a different style of wrestling. It needs to be a different style of wrestling because the people know more than they ever did before. I like to talk a lot about uh, about Lucha Underground and what they've done with wrestling and I feel how it's like it's the next step in professional wrestling by taking these storylines that may look fake but make them more real by making them cinematic because how many movies do you walk out of going oh man that was fake you don't because you, the movie the idea of film allows you to suspend your belief and that's what wrestling has always tried to do is get you to suspend your belief to believe that what you're seeing is actually happening and lucha underground taking it and using film and shooting it more realistically 
I think has elevated the sport in a way that no one else ever has. Um, and because of things like Lucha Underground, because of the popularity of New Japan now, because of all the indie stars that are just, you know, coming out more and more and more and now getting signed more and more and more to NXT and the such, um, I believe the industry is at, at a, an all-time high right now. I think there's a lot of amazing, amazing things happening, and I'm just, I'm happy to be a part of it, both from a fan standpoint and from being, you know, blessed to be able to work alongside these guys as well. Now tell me, okay, I'm like, I, I love, this is like my favorite part of interviews, is my favorite part of it, is talking about what you do. Like, I, I think the entire interview itself is talking about leading up to what you do, but this is very important. Your importance in the wrestling industry, I think when you touched on the, you know, the suspense of belief, I think a commentator and, you know, uh, just every everybody's has a role in it, has a role in that, you know, how do you say? You're, get, you're getting pulled from reality for a second. You're seeing something that's magical. Right. So what's your role in that? Describe your role. Describe, you know, the roller coaster of that road that you've had so far. Sure. So for me, um, my very first night in professional wrestling, uh, I found out that there was a company that was looking for a ring announcer. I had no experience in the business at the time. Now, at the time, I was coming from a radio background, so I used my voice I've done a lot with promotions and marketing and had this love for professional wrestling. So I contacted the company and said, hey, I think I'm your guy. Again, you're going to be taking a total chance on me because I have zero experience, but I have very relatable experience and a lot of knowledge and love for the business. So they told me that I'd come out, work the first night for free, and if we like you, we'll keep you. Um, halfway through the show, they told me I was their regular guy and paid me for that night. Um and my very first experience was I was writing out my cards. So I was filling out the cards with the guy's information so that I would have it there. Again, I had never done this before. And uh, Vito Tomaselli, uh, who is one of the guys running that show, and he's gone, you know, he's been in uh, NWA Wildside, IWA Mid South, uh, Juggalo uh, Championship Wrestling. Um, so he comes up to me and he's like, no cards. And I'm like, what? He's like, no cards. He's like, if you can't care enough to give a damn about these guys and know who they are, why should the fans? And it's something that stuck with me. Um, so it's something I did from the first night on, and I've never used cards ever since. Um, I, I commit myself to memorizing uh, everybody's information. Now, there's a trick to it, and it's not, it's not the, it's funny, as many guys, uh, as newer guys, I talk to them, they're like, you memorize the entire show? I'm like, no, I memorize the next match. And they're like, oh. <laughs> so it doesn't dawn on people that you don't have to, you don't have to know it all the entire night. You just have to know what's coming up next. So during the match, I look at what's next, say it a couple times in my head, and then go out there and do it. And I believe it is far more professional to do it in that, that way. But I digress. So that was my first experience. And so what he instilled in me is was my role, was that I am part of this mystique, that I am part of the show that we're putting on. And it's, again, about suspending that belief. If I don't care who these guys are, don't know who these guys are, I have to look down at a piece of paper, it really cheapens the whole experience for the audience. And yes. it starts to blow some of that physique. Like, why he's, he's announced this guy for the last 10 months, 
Why does he not know his name? Why does he always have to look down at a piece of paper? So that would, you know, throw a monkey wrench in this whole thing that we're trying to actually create. And um, so ever since then, I, I have a very, very, very professional attitude about what I do. And I tell the boys, and the boys uh, definitely appreciate what I bring to the table. And I tell them all the time, if I'm not going to give as much effort to what I do as they put into what they do, then how dare I share their ring with them? Um, and I'm very, very, very passionate about that. This, this, this is their ring. I'm not a performer, although I am, but I'm not. I'm there to enhance the product and to elevate them, to make them look that much brighter, meaner, scarier, whatever it is they are. I'm there to accentuate that through what I do. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of success with it, had a lot of fun with it. And uh, when done right, it really does take the product to another level. Wow. Okay. I'm completely blown away. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I cannot wait to dig deeper into this interview. Uh, but we're going to just pause for a brief break. So, folks, you guys just hold tight and we're going to come back. Uh, so, yeah, just enjoy the little five to uh, ten second break. All right. We'll be right back to the show. All right, folks, we are back from the break. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that little little 15-second interlude. Now, uh, we mentioned, you know, your experience and, you know, as a commentator. Now, uh, or as a person in wrestling, I want you to get more in-depth on, you know, the lifestyle backstage. I don't know how it is, you know, to, to be a person that's on the mic. I, I see the in-ring style, but... What is life on the road for a person that is a commentator or that does uh, things, you know, beyond just in-ring work, if you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so a typical day for me is I'll usually show up uh, about two hours before door, anywhere between an hour to two hours before door is open. And uh, the whole reason for that, and especially if I'm doing commentary, um, so I, need, I give myself probably even more more leeway maybe in the two to three hour wait range if i'm doing commentary that night and maybe a little less if i'm doing ring announcing uh especially if it's been a company that i've been around a long time and they're not bringing any new in, in as much new talent that night but the whole idea is that i get there and then i go person to person to person uh you know introduce myself if it's someone new uh say hellos if it's not someone new um, just, you know, just to catch up with guys you haven't seen in a couple weeks, a couple months, and uh, enjoy that aspect of it, seeing old friends, familiar faces. Uh, but then the business side of it for me is then collecting information. So if I'm ring announcing, it's about getting their introduction. So where are they from? How much did they weigh? If I do weights at that particular company, um, any nicknames they have, any accolades. Uh, recent championship wins, uh, companies that they've worked for, if they've worked overseas, um, anything like that that I can add to the introduction for them or that they would like added to the introduction, I get all that information and I basically add it to my run sheet. So I have a sheet of the matches and then I add all that information onto my sheet so that I have it. 
Um, and then that's where I work for, where I told you later, I memorize match by match. I work from my sheet where I've collected all the information. If I'm commentating that night, um, especially if I'm doing play by play, but even on color, I'll give you both sides of it. Um, again, I go person to person and I collect that information. So if, I, if I'm doing color, uh, I find out everything that I think the viewership would want to know about them. Who trained them? How many years have they been in the business? Um, where do they work typically? Uh, particular great matches they've had, feuds that they've been in or they're currently in. Um, any information that I feel the viewership would want to know about them that I can fill them in on. Um, and then from the play-by-play side, it, it's even more specific. What's your favorite move? What do you go to? What are the names of your moves? Um, why do you wrestle the style you wrestle? Because that's the kind of stuff I would talk about on play-by-play. So on one end, I'm getting you know the, the character information if I'm going to do color. On the other end, I'm getting all the technical information if I'm going to do play-by-play. And uh, I'm pretty meticulous about that. I try to get a ton of information because the more I know the less generic my commentary is going to be because now I'm going to be talking very specifically about them. I'm not going to just talk about, oh, he's a hard-hitting guy. I'm going to talk about the fact, well, he was trained by so-and-so, and and of course he's a very hard-hitting guy because that's the style that he had. So I'm going to add those things in there to to elevate the commentary. So, yeah, that's a typical day for me is getting there a few hours ahead of time so I can collect all that information. All right, so there are multiple questions that I want to get to, but I want to first cover uh, the road life. Is there? Do you have a road life when it comes to you know traveling? Is the travel schedule the same as somebody that's in ring, or is it different? Because again, this is the first interview I'm doing with somebody that sure. works outside of the ring. So let me know your experience there. So it's a little different for me. Um, I work typically locally. Uh, I can travel anywhere from you know, 30 minutes to an hour and a half for a show, typically. Um, I have done some shows up in Milwaukee, which would be more like a three-hour trip. Um, So for me, it's not usually that far of a trip. Uh, I usually have a friend that rides up with me who actually got into the business. He actually has joined me on commentary since uh, we've been going to shows together for a while. And uh, so, yeah, I, I... I don't travel as far as, say, the boys do. I don't, you know, take trips down south. Um, would I, if I if I had the opportunity? Absolutely. I've taken shows, like I said, in Milwaukee. I've taken shows in Indianapolis. Um, and those have been, you know, two, three-hour trips. Um, but so there has been some on-the-road stuff. There's been times where I've driven to these shows with uh, the, the guys that are on the show that night. Um, the, the Milwaukee show, the Indianapolis show, I've, I've, I've driven with the guys. And uh, that's always a lot of fun because then you get those, you know, you get them telling stories and, uh, and stuff like that, which is always a lot of fun, especially if it's someone that you don't know very well and haven't traveled with before. Um, but for the most part, it's usually just me going to the show, which is usually me driving to the show either by myself or with a friend. And then, you know, the camaraderie starts once I get there. And that's another reason, like I said, why I tried to get there a couple hours ahead of time so that I can hang out with these guys. And then, you know, sometimes some, you know, we'll go out and maybe get some drinks, go out and get some food afterwards. Because um, wrestling is, uh, it is a brotherhood. Um, you know, you're putting a lot of faith in, in someone to get in the ring with them. Uh, and these are guys we see, 
you know, sometimes three, four, five, six times a month. And, uh, you know, you become attached. You, be, you know, you, there's a bond that builds there. And, uh, yeah, so it's a lot of fun to be around these guys and be able to share this experience with them. Now, you shared that you've had experience and that it creates a brotherhood. What is, uh, and I, oh, wow, there are a lot of questions I want to ask. But uh, <laughs> there's, I, I, it's the point where I forgot one of the questions, but I think the reason why I forgot is because this real question is very vital. So, what is the, the standout story uh, or the standout moment that you've had with one of the boys if you, if I can say that, uh, I, again, I'm coming from a journalist perspective. Uh, sure. But how is it, and or not how is it? Again, standout story that you've had uh, on a trip with uh, wrestlers backstage. Um, one of my favorite moments actually starts sort of starts starts backstage, ends up in the ring. Um, so, oh, which company would this have been? This would have been Elite Pro. And uh, we had a guy by the name of Osiris who now goes by Congo Kong. Uh, he's been on Impact, and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, his manager was not there that night. And he, in the ring, was forcing me to do his introduction. And the way he decided to force me to do his introduction was he palmed, and he has a huge, huge, huge hand. This is a big guy. You nodded that you know who this is, so you know how big his hand is. And uh, he palms this piece of paper and slams it onto my chest, and I'm supposed to read it. And so I'm reading it, tears in my eyes, cowering in fear. And, uh, you know, he asked me later, he's like, man, you had real tears in your eyes. I'm like, yeah, dude, I just got my chest tattooed the night before. So he had no idea. Literally lit me up. Ah. Uh, Gosh! Oh wow! Um, I, yeah, I've had him on the show. He he was quite. He was a very nice guy. Uh, I'm glad to have somebody that. Oh wow! That had that story. That right there. Oh gosh! That must have hurt terribly bad. Uh, hopefully the tattoo healed perfectly. Did it? Oh, yeah. Did heal? It, it it. Okay, good. Uh, no handprints. No handprints, right? No. 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 covered that, that very uh, painful but memorable experience. Uh, now, I want to get to color commentary versus uh, play-by-play, all right? I know that's a complete flip of, the, flip of the coin or flip of just anything, but that's something I do want to talk about because I don't, I, I, I don't think I understand and I don't know if the listeners understand. So may you please understand, to, oh my gosh, may you please tell us, uh, the difference or the similarities. Sure. So, well, the distinct difference is the play-by-play person is calling the action. So he is describing to the viewership um, what is actually happening. So the moves um, is in explaining what you're seeing happen. The color commentator is adding in the story, the flavor. He's giving it 
more life. So while on play by play, I would be talking about, you know, uh, he goes up to the top rope, he's coming off with, you know, and explaining what's happening. And then the color side of me, after the play by play guy would say that, would talk about where he learned that move or about the fact that, you know, that move, boy, that move, move sure took a lot out of him. Or when we saw him last month, he tried that move and missed it and ended up losing the match. So I'm adding in all that story element when I'm on color um, to try and to, to keep the fans um, up to date on what's happening, especially within a company. So I'll be talking about prior matches in that company. I'll be talking about things they've done. Um, so it's, it's, it's very different as far as, like I said, it's, it's one is telling you what's happening and the other one is telling you kind of why it's happening, I guess would be the easiest way to break it down. All right. Completely understandable. Uh, or not not entertainable, but very uh, digestible. A little food for thought to all you out there, as well as myself. Uh, so we've covered, you know, we, we've covered a lot so far, and I do want to cover a couple more things. So you've been in the industry for 10 years. That's a long time for anybody, and especially for yourself, for the work that you've done and that you continue to do in the plethora uh, and variety of promotions that you've been in. Now, how is life outside of the ring? That's another major thing I want to talk about. How is life now? How has life changed in this 10 years? Uh, whether that be with family. You, you know, I hear the family in the background. You seem, seem like you're a family guy. Uh, l- let me know and let the listeners know how has life changed in that 10-year span or, or more than that. So, um, yeah, so I was when I first got into the business, I was in radio at the time, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, doing promotions and marketing and some on the air stuff, cutting some commercials and such. And uh, right around the time when I got into the wrestling business was shortly after I had left the uh, radio business. And uh, whereas I enjoyed it, it was amazing. It just became uh, it became too much. It became a rat race. Uh, it became just very uh, unthankful work. Uh, and I was looking for something different. So. Uh, took some time off from that, went to sports uh, for a while, worked for the White Sox and the Blackhawks, um, doing stuff within their community um, charity division, and did that for a while, met uh, who was going to become my wife about 10 and a half, 11 years ago, and uh, got married 10 years ago, so right about the same time that I got into the business, uh, I think it was either right after the wedding or right before the wedding. It was right around the same time that both of these uh, life-changing events uh, had happened. Uh, have since gone on to have a daughter who just turned seven a couple weeks ago, uh, who enjoys coming out to shows with me, the ones that she can come to, because some of them are family-friendly, some are not. And uh, also in that time, I uh, started working in education. That was that, So my real job, my shoot job, after radio was going into education. I started off as a paraprofessional, which is a one-on-one aid for children with special needs, uh, working mostly with children in kindergarten and uh, pre-K. And uh, during that time, also went back to school to actually get a degree to be a teacher. Uh, Then my daughter was born, spent the first five years of her life home with her, being a stay-at-home dad. 
and then uh, started to look for a job in teaching, and now I've been teaching. I'm in my third year of teaching. I taught two years of third grade, and now I'm teaching kindergarten. Wow, that is amazing, uh, and I wanted to actually get in on that, so I'm glad you said that. You know when I mentioned that I forgot one of the questions, what you just said brought back one of the questions that I did want to ask. So has education and uh, what specific sub, what do you do specifically, before I even get on to that question, what do you do specifically um, as a teacher? So um, I'm a general ed teacher, so I teach everything. So in third grade, I teach all the, I was teaching all the subjects, so math, reading, science, social studies. Um, in kindergarten right now, the main thing I'm teaching is them to read. So I'm teaching uh, letter sounds, letter naming, um, number identification. So the, the very the, the, the basis of what they're going to be doing the rest of their life, I'm teaching them how to do that because they don't even know how to do that yet. They don't know what a number is. They don't know what a letter is. So um, I'm teaching the foundation for learning. So you're building the new golden voices of the next generation there. The new, the next journalist, you know, again, your work as a teacher and as a, as, as a wrestling commentator and ring announcer is very, very inspiring. Uh, and do you think that with your connection with teaching, has that uh, improved, uh, if there hasn't been any improvement, uh, with ring announcing or commentating? Because, I mean, English, writing, I would think that there'd be some connection with it. Um, the, the connection that I see in it is, in a way, it, it's both a performance. Um, you know, if I'm in, if I'm on the stage or in the ring in front of a crowd, you know, I'm I have to capture that crowd, right? I have to get their attention. I have to make them interested in what they're about to see and what what's about to happen. Teaching is the same thing. I'm standing in front of a captive audience, trying to convince them that they need to learn how to multiply and that it's important in their life. So I'm trying to convince them of something. And now to take it further, I also have to teach them how to do this thing. But it is there is an element of performance to it as well, um, especially with the younger people. The more entertaining and interesting you can make a subject, the more likely someone is to want to learn it and to possibly even remember it because now it's not just oh, two plus two is four, but if I make up a silly song of why two plus two is four, I've now not only entertained you, but I've activated a different you know, part of your brain, and you're going to remember that in a different way. So there is a very much a performance element to teaching, and I think that's you know one of the things that makes me uh, the teacher I am and also the announcer that I am is what I bring to the table as far as, as, as that is concerned. Wow, that's awesome. So, uh, again, uh, having the teacher being in a teacher setting and then being in the wrestling setting, do some do any of your students know what you do outside of the school? My current students do not. I have not brought it up with my kindergartners yet. Um, I've had them about three months now. Um, when I was in third grade, my students did know about it. Uh, it was something that I had brought up then. I don't know that I'm not bringing it up on purpose or with my current students, um, it's just something that hasn't come up yet, um, but it is certainly something that I did share uh, with my students in previous years. Well, uh, <laughs> again, you could be an inspiration for that kid in the class that has the golden voice, the new generation of the golden voice. So, uh, again, uh, I want to also uh, 
thank you and you know all teachers out there but specifically thank you uh, for the hard work that you do i know that a lot of teachers and i see that a lot of teachers work you guys work your butts off to bring up the next generation of people in society in general uh so i thank you big time for the work that you do in schools uh it's very it's very much needed especially now you know it's very much needed to have uh i mean you guys are our parents throughout the day it's it's as simple as that for those eight hours you guys are our parents so uh um, yeah do you mind if i speak on that a little bit yes um so you know for eight hours you and that's pretty much the time we have them eight hours of their day so that's a third of the day um they also sleep for probably about nine eight or nine hours that's another third of their day so now we're talking if i'm having them for eight hours out of the 16 that they're awake I actually have them for half of their waking hours so half of their life during that year is spent with me and uh, you know that's I, I, I think about that a lot I think about the uh, responsibility I have then if they go to daycare because mom and dad might still be working they might only see mom and dad maybe two or three hours out of the night whereas I've had them for eight hours and uh, I have to be very mindful of that. I have to be mindful that you know this is a connection that I am making with, with these students on a level that goes beyond the education, that goes beyond the math um, or, or the reading or whatever it is I'm teaching them. I have to show them love. I have to show them respect. Um, I have to teach them you know more than what the book is. I have to teach them morals. I have to teach them respect. I have to teach them please and thank you. And all these things that, so I can create, you know, someone who's going to be a global citizen one day. You know, not just someone who's going to have a job and have skills to do a job, but skills to be a human being um, and to be part of something bigger than just themselves. And uh, I feel, you know, a lot of responsibility to do that. Wow, that very inspirational words. Uh, again, leading into the next generation, having. Uh, you know, family members that are of that age that would be in your classroom that are in third grade. It, it's awesome to see that somebody that actually cares about, you know, uh, the work that they're doing and wants to bring up the next generation, not just in wrestling, but also in society in general. Uh, so I thank you for that. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for saying so. Yes. So we're going to get ready into the closing. This is the the another part this is one third of the show that i love uh and that is or the final piece of the show part three of the show that i love to talk about and i think you've already nailed it on the head but that is inspirational words for the next generation of ring announcers astronauts astrophysicists whatever uh the biggest thing is be passionate about what you're doing and find whatever it is that you're doing and specifically in the wrestling business, but this can go against everything like you just said. Find your niche. Find what you bring to it that's special. How can you make the place you're working or the job you're doing or whatever it is better than it was before you got there? How can you enhance it? How can you make it how can you elevate it? You know, I've used that term before while we were talking. How can you elevate it? How can you take it to the next level? You need to find that in you because um, we all have it. And if you don't have it in what you're doing, then you're probably doing the wrong thing. So 
I believe we all have that thing that we can do better than anyone else. And you have, you know, you have to find that. And sometimes it might take a while. I, I'm 47, so I started ring announcing when I was 37. That's already, you know, a third of my life lived if I lived to be 100. Knock on wood. Um, so, yeah, I didn't come to this, you know, at 19. You know, I didn't come to this out of high school or out of college even. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of different things. And I did all of those probably well as well. Um, but this is where, you know, between the two jobs, actually, between the wrestling, announcing, and teaching, where I feel most at home. And that's where I, because I found where my skill matters and where my skill is needed. And uh, so, yeah, that would be my advice to people, you know, find what makes you different and, you know, what do you have to add to it all? And that goes, in the wrestling world, that goes for wrestlers, too. What makes you different than the other, you know, 100 guys trying to get on the show? You know, everyone's blowing up the promoter's phone trying to get on the show. Why should he book you? What makes you different? Not necessarily better, but why does he need you there? What are you bringing to it? And uh, so that's something I've always tried to cultivate in myself as well. Wow. That is awesome. And this final question, I thought that was maybe final question, but just having this conversation is keep keeps on building up more and more. So as a person that wants to get into the industry, and I'm quite sure there are millions, if not thousands of listeners at home that want to get into the, uh, not the ministry, my gosh, I'm thinking of the Ministry of Darkness, Undertaker, uh, and the industry as well. Uh, but they also want the college experience or this, you know, collegiate experience in general. Are there any words of advice for juggling between school and wrestling? That's a huge thing that I really wanted to get into um, with you. Um, with wrestling, you know, it's it's a very uh, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous sport. Guys get hurt all the time. I've you know I've in my ten years, I think I've only seen an ambulance call twice. But, uh, you know, I've known of guys that after the show have had to go to the emergency room. And uh, it's a very scary thing. And sometimes it's a very simple thing uh, that can happen that can end their career just like that. And um, so, you know, I think you hear this from a lot of people in sports, but it, it echoes true in wrestling as well. Have a backup plan. Um, you know, have that education as well. Uh because you don't know how long this is going to last and you don't know that you're going to necessarily go anywhere. You know, I say go for it. I say if it's your passion, you definitely go for it, but you have to also know that there's how many other thousands of people going for it at the same time as you and there's only so many spots. There's only so many people that the WWE are going to bring up each year. Um, there's only so many people that you know ROH or New Japan or uh, Evolve or whoever, there's only so many people on each show, but there's so many people trying to be on that show. Um, you may never make it, you know, and I say give it your all, don't give up, but at the same time, have a backup plan, because what if you don't? What if you don't make it? What if you get injured along the way? So that's where the education is going to come into play. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. That is words of wisdom, words of inspiration from the Kirby Allen, not just the family guy, not just the ring announcer, but an educator for the future. Thank you, Mr. Alexander, for coming on to the show. I had a pleasure having you on, and I hope to have you on in the future. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed listening, and uh, best of luck to you and the show, man. 
Alright, thank you very much and let the viewers at home know how they can reach you one more time on social media. Again, you can follow me at Kirby the Voice on Twitter. Again, at Kirby K I R B Y the Voice. Alrighty, folks. I hope you all enjoy your evening, your night, your morning, whatever you guys are doing. I hope you all enjoy it, whether you're at the gym. Gym. Oh my gosh, I'm botching up this outro. Whether you're at the gym, whether you're going to school, whether you're going home from school, whether you're picking your kids up at school, whether you're going to your local indie show, I thank you very much for listening. And I'm your host of the Ring Discussions podcast, Truman Nuts in the Third, and I am signing out. I will see you all later. Peace out, everyone.